Well, welcome to the last podcast of 2022. And I'm starting our podcast today, Exhibit A, because I was ridiculed by none other than our producer, David Lindley, who got all these clips of me going, we are on. We are on. We are on. We are on. Okay, we are on. We are on. Okay, <laughs> we're not going to do that. Yeah, okay. So I want to be very careful this year, this, you know, as to how I start these things, because I don't want to repeat next year. You, know, you so. need some new catchphrases. Yeah, um, <laughs> let's start. You know. or Welcome to the Exhibit A podcast. This is Don Schweitzer with Mane Hakopian, and we're going to talk to you about the law. How does that sound, David? Perfect. Okay, great. Okay. So anyways, before we get into our legal analysis, uh, it is the end of 2022. And doesn't it feel good to put an end to this year? It does feel good. It was, yeah. See, so I think we all probably could speak differently about the past year. This was a hard one for me for a variety of reasons. Uh, I'm glad to put it behind me. You know, and, uh, you know, I, I asked everybody in the office to put together a list of three things that they could improve upon in 2023. And the reason why I did that is this time of the year, I always try to look at you know, what I accomplished and what can we do further. And I kind of have that habit. And uh, I think it might be beneficial for people to do. But 2022 was a milestone, or it's because it's the, we're coming up now on the 20 year anniversary of the firm. Yeah. Of the firm, yeah. And uh, so March of 2023 will be our 20th year. That's where we, we said it. And we already started kind of like celebrating it because we're closing in on it. You know, I always think about, okay, if you compare the age of the firm with the age of a person, now we're talking about a 20-year-old, right? 20-year-old <laughs> could vote out of the house, hopefully. In college. Maybe hopefully. in college. <laughs> Can't drink yet, though. Okay, so we have to wait for one more year before it's a drinking Depends firm. Depends where you live. That's well. That's true. That is true. I didn't think about it. Are there any states where you could you could drink under the age of twenty one? I think the U.S. is pretty standard. It or... used to be. You don't know about this, but there uh, were many states that had the drinking age at eighteen. At, uh, at when I was a kid, uh, growing up in Chicago, uh, my friends, not me, I swear to God, it wasn't me, but they would get in their cars and they'd drive to uh, Wisconsin to drink for the for the night and then come back in Chicago and stuff. Then when I was in the military, military people get to drink as soon as they're in there. So they can be 18 years old and they're drinking. Anyways, so we're not of age yet, okay? But we're getting there. So that's good. Okay. It's also, when I started here, we were celebrating 15 years. So that means I've been, I'm Holy going cow. on to my fifth year. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. That's right. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. So we like to celebrate our milestones and stuff. And 2023 is going to be a continuous celebration because for me, it's a, it's a, personally, it's a really big deal. Yeah, you know, I like to joke and I tell people the longest I've ever held a job was eight years. You're, mm -hmm. you're three years away from meeting, you know, my <laughs> prior time with a, with a job and stuff, you know. But I, I you know, went from job or profession to profession. And 20 years, I always think that, that that means something. And I could say this without a doubt that uh, you learn, right? You know, I, being a family law attorney, as long as I have been, I've really had a good study on people. I think you would think, you mm -hmm. know, right? It's a, sure. it's a study of human uh, uh, behaviors. You see certain patterns among people. Definitely. You know, you know and, and you do get better, hopefully, as time goes on, but you never get perfect. You still make mistakes. It's a great profession, very tiring, but, you know, it's something that if you're into it, you're really into it like we are. Yeah, so, you know, the only other comment I would say about 2022 is is we have the blessing at the end of the year. Uh, every year we've got the Rose Parade coming up. Mm 
and uh, you know we don't have the weather that they've been having back east. Mm-hmm. You know, so thank God. Thank I know, God. I know. We get a little rain and people go crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. I mean, for people like me, where I grow up, grew up in Chicago, when I see when it pours out here, people they drive like maniacs, right? Right. <laughs> where David comes from, they don't have rain. They just have sunshine the whole year long. They Australia. Do have, um, Reptiles and insects and things yeah. that could kill yeah. you. So. They, they don't get in front of your car, though, <laughs> hopefully. Okay, so uh, we are talking today about an appellate court decision that I wanted to talk about because I think it has a lot of implications for clients uh, that we have. And there's a lot of folks that might be viewing this podcast and want to know more about moveaways and domestic violence and how they interplay and stuff. So this case is going to be interesting because of the fact that we're going to see, I'm not going to give away the, the, the punchlines here at the end, but we're going to see how the interplay between domestic violence and moveaways are. So having said that, why don't you set up the facts? What's the name of the case first? The name of the case is uh, Ramsden versus Peterson. Okay. And a, a California appellate court decision. Yep. Santa Barbara County. Okay. So what do we know about the facts? So the facts are as follows. Um, we have a husband and wife um, who have a daughter and... Um, it didn't really talk about the custody arrangement, but I believe that um, they had pretty equal time, but mom had primary custody of the daughter. So the daughter is HP. They don't use her actual name. Uh, so after, at some point after they start sharing custody, a mom files a request to move away from California to Oklahoma, and the court denies her request. Uh, mom was newly married. She wanted to move away. Court says no. Okay, and, and then what did the court do? Um, then it granted her primary custody, right? You're right. So she first wanted to move away to Arkansas. That was her first request in 2016. The court said no, but it gave her primary custody. What's interesting to me about this decision is it doesn't say why the court was making the rulings that it made. So, for example, right. why did she get primary custody? Mm-hmm. And then after she got primary custody, why did the court deny her move away? Right. You the know? They sort of talk about it later on, um, but that seems like it's bootstrapping really. to me, and I'll explain later on. But I mean, at the beginning of the decision, it just says the court said no. Right. right, it just says no, but she was granted primary custody, physical custody. Then she makes a second request to move to Oklahoma. The court says no again. So this lady's like moving around, right? Yeah, she's Arkansas, to, Oklahoma. Yeah, she's trying to move with her new husband. Right, um, right. He was stationed in Oklahoma. She was trying to move. They said no again. Fort Sills, Oklahoma. <laughs> horrible place to be stationed, but go ahead. Then then four, about four years later in 2020. Um, she gets smart and she decides to go to Illinois. No, no, go ahead. There is an incident with dad and his new girlfriend. So um, the dad's girlfriend calls up the mom and says, um, just want to let you know that um, dad and I were involved in a physical domestic violence um, situation and dad assaulted me. Um, this is his girlfriend telling the ex-wife and he also drove intoxicated with a minor in the car. Some huge things going on mm-hmm. here, you know. So number one is is that this court is just denying her request for moveaways before this these incidents play out, even though she's the primary caretaker. Right. And we don't need to go through all of the factors that a court has to consider in moving mm-hmm. away, but the decision is silent, you know. So what are some of the things the court normally are going to look at before it grants or denies a move away? 
Um, so, I mean, one of the biggest things is what the current custody arrangement is like. The, the more custody you have, the better your chances are of being allowed to move away with the child. Yeah, a primary custodian has the presumptive right to move away, right? Yes. Okay. And the distance? The distance of the move. I mean, it's really just um, a best interest analysis with some additional factors that go into move away. So it's, if you're trying to move away to San Francisco versus, um, you know, you're trying to go to um, a different country, that's the distance is going to come into play and, um, you know, some other factors like yeah. that. Yeah. So w- when we talk about the court didn't, the court of appeal really didn't specify what was going on at the beginning. We can make some deductions here, right? We could say that uh, it's possible that the child had a strong bond with the father during those early stages. At least the court found that to be it was an equal bond or something, because that's another factor is, is what's the mm-hmm. relationship like, you know, and would it be detrimental to the child, mm-hmm. you know, if the move was away. So those things might have happened. They probably happened early on if we're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. But now, boom, we hit this fact pattern where girlfriend calls, calls ex-wife. ex-wife and mm-hmm. says, guess what? I want to be your best friend now. Mm-hmm. We used to sit around and talk badly about you, and I was the knight in shining armor, and I was the one who was always there to rescue, but guess what? He is as much of a jerk as you thought he was. You know, he's been committing domestic violence on me. He drinks, and he even drinks, and he brings the child along with him, and, you know, heaven forbid, he he gets in a, yeah, got into a car accident with the daughter in the car, right. and we've had some of those in our, in our uh, caseloads. So I just thought that was when we're talking about pattern of behavior, mm-hmm. sometimes we see the ex-wife getting along with the new girlfriend because the new girlfriend now is the ex-girlfriend. They team up. Yeah, right. yeah, right. <laughs> it's the worst nightmare in the world for this guy. So, so, so they're talking, right? So they're- wife hears this and she files an emergency request to have exclusive custody of the minor, and the court surprisingly denies the request, extends the current visitation at the time. Um, and again, doesn't say what the visitations were with the dad, but it keeps the custody as is. But um, there is a pending child um, welfare services safety plan. I'm not sure it, what that is. It was but. interesting how they called it, the child welfare services. This is California. Did the Court of Appeal get it wrong, or is there some other department out there? I'm assuming another department. Because we call it the Department of Children and mm-hmm. Family Services in CFS, L.A. Right. So maybe county to county. I, I didn't know that, so I saw that as well. Yeah. Right, so they said that plan should be followed pending a hearing later that month. So it kind of deferred the decision to the Department of Child Support, or um, the DCFS, or CWS. It, it was probably it. like the caseworker came out and didn't really file a petition because otherwise the matter would have been in dependency court. Right. So they, the caseworker said, okay, can we get a voluntary uh, you know, agreement here that you're going to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah, right? okay. probably. Okay. Um, so there was an actual hearing for the custody request and what the court said was they, they're going to appoint minors counsel for the child um, to make recommendations when they come back the next time. So everybody agrees to minors counsel and uh, that minors council was supposed to make recommendations. Okay. So pending uh, the next hearing, um, I believe dad's time was reduced temporarily um, in order for the child to get stabilized again, and he agreed to this. Um, And this happened after minors council was appointed. Right. So the child says she didn't feel uh, comfortable going to the dad's residence. so the child's telling minors counsel this, right. and then minors counsel's reporting, reporting this to the, to the court. court at the next hearing, which she was asked to do. Um, 
and she asked that the court so the minor told her counsel that she wanted to temporarily change the custody arrangement in order for her to um, sort of adjust to what happened with the dad you know driving drunk while she was in the car so this was uh, my understanding was this was temporary pending okay. whatever else happens so so we, we should probably pause here a little bit for the people that are, aren't in family court like we are minors counsel is a an attorney that is assigned to represent children mm-hmm. so when there's a custody dispute between mother and father the child's always in the middle and the courts deem it necessary a lot of times to appoint counsel to do what's best in the interest of the child, mm-hmm. not to do what one person thinks is their rights or anything like that. Let's, let's focus on the child and the child's rights, where this child should be. And that's what happened here. So this child gets minor's counsel, minor's counsel goes into court and addresses the court and says, this is uh, what, what should happen because the child is telling me that she's not comfortable right now. Right, Okay. which is very common, right? We see this all the time where courts give a specific instructions as to what the minors council is supposed to be making recommendations for and these facts right here will play out later on in the decision so very important that we kind of put a footnote here that or not a footnote we put a a tab on this Mm -hmm. is that this happened you know where the minors council is addressing the court so okay then what happens next then it's a little fuzzy as far as uh, i i wasn't really sure if this this part of the hearing ended, and then mom filed another request. I think for that's a move what away. happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So mom then files another move away request in 2021. Um, and where is she trying to go to this time? Illinois. I told oh, you. I told oh. you she's getting smarter. Yeah. She's going to the great state of <laughs> Illinois. Um, Why? Because I think her husband. I don't know if he was still in the military at that time or what. But I think that's where he was then. Yeah. You know. I grew up over there, and I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Why the army's not in in Illinois? I don't know why he was over there. So go ahead. So yeah, she's trying to. She files another move away request, and there's a hearing on the request, and a, a few things happen procedurally that are important for the court's decision. So one thing is, the parties agree they stipulate to um, take judicial notice of the entire case file. So the husband agrees to this, and part of the case file included that CWS records, the safety plan that was um, put into place by the department. And why do uh, judges love when that happens, when people stipulate to take the whole file into, into evidence? Because all of that then comes in and you don't need to have a lengthy hearing to get certain things admitted, right? Yeah, and over to hearsay objections. Mm, because right. the Sanchez, you know, the, the case of people versus Sanchez would kick in and with this, and you'd have a lot of problems with reports like that. But when people stipulate, it's like, cool, I get to look at everything, and you can't later on object and go up on appeal and say that I inappropriately looked at things. Right. Sometimes it's, it's usually the smart thing to do, though. I mean, you know, we like to be advocates for our our clients and you know try to interfere with damaging evidence that's coming in mm-hmm. but the way it always plays out seems to be that uh, the more transparent the better for the right. court to really see what what, right. what this is all about he later the husband later tried to revoke his agreement um, but the court denied his objection too late overruled his objection okay right? i i wonder if i think he had attorneys yeah he i had, think so he had counsel yeah um then dad, so the hearing's going on on mom's move away request. And one of the other things that happens, which is important, is um, the dad tries to um, stop the minor's counsel for the child from making custody recommendations. Um, 
And the court and the mom said, no, your objection is untimely since we had already agreed and stipulated that counsel could make recommendations. And the court agreed with the mom. Right. Um, then, um, obviously, the girlfriend, um, I believe, testified um, about the domestic violence incident between, or the ex-girlfriend, between her and the dad and um, talked about and the dad discussed he admitted to drinking alcohol and driving, but he said he wasn't intoxicated. Right. He said he drank and he drove with the, and he hit a parked car, but that he was in fact not in- intoxicated. Um, right. <laughs> and he also admitted to having verbal and physical altercations with his ex girlfriend in front of the, the minor child as well. So you definitely got a change of circumstances here, you know, some big things that are happening. Mm-hmm. You know, you got fighting with with his girlfriend in front of the child, somebody reporting domestic violence. You got drinking and driving, and you got an accident with a child in the car. There's a lot of things now that the court is seeing that didn't see way back when mom was asking for the move away. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is the court, well, should I just Go ahead. reveal the big finale that the court ended up the lot this time around granting mom's request to move away and it's interesting that the court in its reasoning said it didn't rely so much on the incident that happened with the drinking and driving i thought that was fascinating right but it relied more on the fact that um mom was now married to the same husband for many years and they had a more solid foundation okay Incredible. There's nothing in the appellate court decision about their relationship. Right. right. And how would you really know? I mean, they could still be people that fight with one another, right. but nobody would know. But this court is saying, yeah, they've been together even longer. So, you know, the relationship right. is stronger. So that's a significant change of circumstances where I'm going to allow the move away. That was one of them. Okay. The other one was while the, the minor child was initially bonded with a girlfriend the dad and the girlfriend were no longer together, so this also played a role in um, the request being granted. So on one hand, mom's relationship with her husband's stronger, strong. so there's more stability mm-hmm. in the house. Father, of the, on the other hand, has had a weakened uh, stability. His stability in his house is, is less because right. his relationships are you know, down the, down the tubes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So those were really the big two big factors that the court pointed to Plus also, you know, the drinking and driving and um, the domestic violence with the girlfriend. But then the dad appealed and he was appealing three different. Um, he was he, he was saying the trial court made three specific errors. So one of them was um, the minor's counsel shouldn't have made custody recommendations. Um, the second one was the minor that the court admitted um, or the court relied on hearsay. And then the last um, grounds for the move away or for the appeal was that the court um, didn't apply um, or the court erred when it granted the request under a best interest standard because it should have used the changed circumstances standard. And there was insufficient evidence to support mom's request. Right, right. Okay, so the Court of Appeal took it all under submission. <laughs> and drum roll, please, what happened? And the court agreed with the trial court. It denied um, the appeal, and it went through each of the the different grounds for appeal and said you're wrong on each of these grounds so um it upheld the decision for the move away and um so in explaining the first um discussing the first ground the custody and visitation recommendations the court goes through 
the family code and talks about how, like Don, you were just saying about how the court has the ability to appoint private counsel, minors counsel to represent the best interests of the minor child. And as part of this role, the minors counsel is able to um, present evidence, introduce and examine their own witnesses, present arguments, um, and basically do a lot of the things that uh, regular attorneys can do. But father's saying, but, and this is, this is an argument that I've heard a lot. I might have made it a couple of times prior to the law changing. Judge, justices, your honors, but what happened here is, is that this trial court allowed her to testify, minors counsel to testify, and I never had an opportunity to cross-examine her. I mean, she gets in there and she starts talking about what the child said, which is hearsay, mm -hmm. and you know, saying all these things. And I'm st stuck holding the bag because I can't, I can't prove her wrong. I can't call minors counsel to the stand. That's wrong, Your Honor. What did the Court of Appeals say to that? I think they said he stipulated. Um... Well, he stipulated to the recommendations, but I don't think you even need to stipulate to that because the code says that minors counsel gets to make recommendations. Right. Here's the thing that I picked up on this. Sir, she didn't. She never testified. She never testified. She right. was. She was just arguing her case. So the second grounds for appeal was that the court permitted minors counsel to rely on hearsay, and I, the court kept this pretty short. All it said was, um, "This presumes that minors counsel testified, um, and she didn't." So. Right. So the trial court didn't take in hearsay evidence. It was. She was just arguing her case. Mm -hmm. And then the last grounds was the move away request that the court. Um, should have used the changed circumstance standard and it applied the wrong um, the wrong test. And the court said, no, um, you're wrong because they're one and the same, essentially, which is something we hear all the time. Um, so the court explained that once there's been a finding that a certain custody plan is in the best interest of a child, um, the court doesn't revisit that. Instead, what the, what the standard is, you look at to see whether um, circumstances have changed so significantly that a, a different plan would would be in the best interest of the child. So you're not re-examining that the it's in the best interest, but seeing if there's been a change in the circumstances where a different plan would be better for the child. And in this case, there was. In this case, there was, and um, the court did not review uh, did not abuse its discretion, and it reasonably concluded that the move away advanced the child's best interest. Right. So, I mean, some, some major things here when I ran over this, I think we've pretty much discussed all of these things, but uh, this case is a good one for understanding how minors counsel could be very powerful in these cases mm -hmm. because, you know, now we have a new argument when you hear the thing, well, she's testifying. Well, she's not testifying, counsel. She's just, state, she's just arguing. You know what I mean? And if the trial court is uh, wise to this, the courts are going to say, well, I didn't take that into consideration. I took into consideration something else, like uh, the relationship mm -hmm. was stronger, okay? Right. All right. All right. Uh, we don't know, you know, why her request was denied twice, right? But we know that uh, we could pretty much deduce that there was some type of a relationship with father and stuff, you know, with this child. And, you know, the circumstances weren't, nearly as bad as after the the violence occurred and so we, that just leads to show that domestic violence or accusations of domestic violence or abuse even against a third party mm -hmm. can make all the difference in the world right? right you know you know because because the the courts are supposed to look at you know uh 
uh, the welfare of the child. And if there's evidence that the child's going to be in a household where there has been domestic violence, which is why the girlfriend took the stand and testified, mm -hmm. that could be a factor. That could be a factor to lose custody right there. So, you know, uh, people need to be careful getting into new relationships and how that's going to impact custody. Right. Um, I didn't catch this whether the girlfriend filed for um, restraining the, order, the restraining order, yeah. whether that was granted. Yeah, it wasn't in there. Um, and I, I wonder if this incident never happened, whether mom would have even tried to file for a third move away. She probably wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't for the phone call. So uh, ex-girlfriends out there, <laughs> fight for those kids. Get your help. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what happened. She's the she's the hero of the day. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, we also know. I've said this two or three times that you know minors counsel's uh, argument is argument, and now you know they get to they get a lot of latitude because they get to make recommendations, uh, and you know the strength and weaknesses of parties' relationships as a reason for modifying custody. I mean, we've got an appellate court decision now that we can rely on that. That is a very interesting one. In yeah. the future, I would love to challenge somebody on that. You know, it's, <laughs> right, right, because the dad, all he said was, there's just been a passage of time, nothing else has changed, and the court said, uh, oh no, mom, mom's relationship grew stronger um, because now she's been with this guy for over three years. Whereas so why do we get divorces when people have been together for 50 years? Right, that's a great point. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So her bond with her stepfather grew stronger while his dad's relationship with his girlfriend weakened. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that there was maybe some evidence of that and the appellate court didn't really kind of flush that out or something. I hope that was the case. So cool. Great decision. Yeah. It was a definitely, it was a short one, but a lot packed into it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, good job. And I look forward to doing more of these with you in 2023. Have some fun reading cases and educating people. Yep, definitely. Cool. And thank you for joining us this year. And we'll see you all in 2023.